0: Good morning. As Paul said, I'm concluding this series, Defining Moments, this morning. Um, and I'm really excited about this. There's parts of this preach that I've been carrying in my heart for probably about 12 months, and they've just all slotted together into this. So I'm, I'm really excited to be sharing with you today. Um, thank you. Let's just bear with me a second. Okay. You know, when when I first started to look at this and looking at defining moments, I was like, well, what does defining actually mean? And when you look up the dictionary definition of it, this is what it means. A decisive of critical important. So in your life and in the life of Joseph, there are moments that are decisively and critically important. And I believe that it's what path you choose to take in those moments Through the good and the bad, the decisions that you take that actually define the outcome for good or for bad. That moment may not be a good moment. That moment may be the worst moment of your life. But I believe we can see through Joseph that in those decisive and critically important moments, whether they are good or bad, if we choose a path in them, then it can change the outcome of our lives, of the lives of those around us. And as we see for Joseph, not only one, but two nations at the time that he lived. And I don't know about you, I'm sure that you as well can stand and list. You've got had good things go on in your life and bad things go on in your life. And For me, I know I've had a good childhood. I've had a good education. I've had some great travel experiences where I've been um, to Australia and different places that I've been. I've got a great marriage. That's a good defining moment in my life. My kids, apart from at the minute during the six weeks holidays, are a good defining moment in my life unless I lose the end of my tether this last week before they go back to school. But I've had bad moments as well, just as I'm sure you have too. I've had moments where I've been betrayed. I've had moments of broken relationships. I've had moments of sickness. I've had moments where death has come and encroached upon our lives. I've had moments where I've struggled with mental health and I'm sure you've got your own list of those moments of good and bad just like I do but it's what you choose to do in those moments that makes it decisively and critically important for the future and the path that you then go on to tread and let me tell you now just because you've taken one path in the past doesn't mean you can't change the direction you're going in now. And I hope that this morning, as we weave in and out of the story of Joseph, and I'm hoping that most of you know the story this morning, is the story of an 11th brother who does his brother's head sin, so they sell him off to slavery in Egypt, who goes on to actually bring... The whole nation of Egypt and keep them safe during a famine and then go on to save his brothers too it's an amazing story but we're going to weave in and out of it and see what Joseph did in those decisive and critically important moments and what he chose to do in them actually changed the future and I'm hoping that this morning will actually be something that can release you from your past that can help you in your present or can equip you for your future. So, there's a bit of something in this preach for everybody, I'm hoping. Something that will help you maybe with something that you've struggled in or a decision you've made that you think, I wished I'd never made that choice, that can help you move forward from it. Something that can maybe help you in this moment. Or if you're thinking, I'm just all right with all that, write it all down because there will come points in your life when you need to make a critically important decision. And I hope that this preach will help you in and through that. So I'm just going to crack on with it straight away. And we're going to look at many different things that I believe. And I'm sure there are many more because Joseph's story is immense across many chapters of Genesis But we're going to look at first at the things that I believe defined him. And one of the first ones, I think, was that he was defined by favour. And we all like that, don't we? We'd all like a good bit of favour. I'd like a bit of favour with my job. I'd like a bit of favour with the traffic lights. Does anyone ever drive through and it's just like, every light is on red. To the point where your children sit in the back and go, well, the lights are made when we get to them. And you're thinking, I just want to get home. Show me a green light, please. Is that just me? You want favour with your parking space. This is a good Christian prayer as you drive onto a car park. Oh, Lord, give me a car parking space. And only those with great faith achieve. Or just those where a car pulls out and you can slip in as well. But we all want favour with many things that we do. And we see that Joseph had favour. In Genesis 37 verse 3, we see that Joseph had favour with his father. Some may say a little bit too much, but Jacob brought his son a multicoloured coat. I might burst into song. And he brought him a robe. He was favoured by his father. We see that favour. Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. He had favour with his dad. We see that in Genesis 37 verse 5 that Joseph had favour with God. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. That doesn't sound like favour too much. Let's read... Um, the next one where he had a dream in verse 9 and he said then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers listen he said I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me God was actually giving Joseph a glimpse of what was to come he was favored with a glimpse of what was coming in the future and you know sometimes as we saw in verse 5 favor doesn't always bring what you think it would bring Because it said that it made his brothers hate him all the more. You know, when favour comes upon you, then be prepared that people will hate you. And you may find yourself in a favoured position at work, in a favoured position in things that you do, and people won't like you for it. And you know, that's okay. You just got to keep loving on them and keep being the same as you keep being. But that will come with favour and Joseph found that too in the fact that they threw him in a pit and then they sold him to slavery. Let's hope that doesn't happen to us. But then we see that as Joseph was sold into slavery and his master Potiphar, let's read in Genesis 39 verse 2. It says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He got favor with his Egyptian master. He was promoted throughout the slaves until he was in charge of the whole household. We see again when Joseph gets sent to jail because Potiphar's wife quite liked him and he wasn't having none of it, so she made up a story and he got sent to jail because of it. And we see that he still had favor in jail with the prison guards in Genesis thirty-nine twenty-one. It says the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. You know, sometimes... When we go through hardships like Joseph was, he found himself in slavery, he found himself in jail, in places that he didn't want to be. You may find yourselves in places that you think, I really don't want to be here right now. I don't want to be in this situation, I don't want to be in this job, I don't want to be in this financial predicament. I don't want to be wherever you are, but in and through that, I believe God can show you, just as he did with Joseph, his favour. And it is in those places where it's so important to remember the favour of God, to be encouraged by it, to make a note of it, journal it down, remind yourselves, just like that song that we've just sung, never once, remind yourself of when God was with you, remind yourself of the good things that God did for you, because it's in those hard times that you need those golden moments that will keep you going. Those moments that you remember where God was good, where God was faithful, where God was kind to you. it said that God showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. Remember in those moments of favour, whether good or bad circumstances surround them, they will keep you going in and through everything that goes on. And then we see again later on towards the end of the story that Joseph had favour with Pharaoh. In Genesis 41 verse 25, Pharaoh had had a dream and no one could interpret this dream. And somebody in Pharaoh's household remembered Joseph from jail and remembered he could interpret dreams. And it says, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. God granted Joseph favour with Pharaoh because he granted him the ability to interpret the dream, which then led on to the greatest favour Joseph had ever known in Genesis 41, verse 37. It says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. Joseph had said, well, why don't you do this? And Pharaoh said, yeah, that's good to me. To the point of, actually, Joseph, you're going to do it for me. Joseph had favour in so many different places and in so many different ways. And it wasn't until many chapters later from the original dream that he had that he actually saw the fulfilment years and years in his life later. He saw the fulfilment of that original favour where God spoke to him and gave him a glimpse of the future. Favour did two things for Joseph, I believe. The first one is this. It defined him as a son of God. He knew who God was and he knew who he was to God. He knew he was a son. He was a child of God. He understood that. So no matter what he went through, whether good or bad, and he had a lot of both, that God was with him, that he was God's child and that nothing could come against him because of that. He knew that because of the favor that followed him through. Remind yourselves of when God has showed you his favor in good and bad times. Remind yourself of it because it will remind you of how much God loves you. And the second thing that I believe favor did for Joseph was it helped him to recognize and acknowledge that it was God, not himself, that did it. Joseph knew that it wasn't about him. Joseph knew that he couldn't do it in his own strength. Joseph knew that people would come against him and stop him no matter what he tried to do. And we know that he learned this lesson. Because in Genesis 41 verse 16, he says this to Pharaoh. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph could have taken all the glory and said, I can answer your dream, I'll just do everything, I'm Mr. Wonderful, but instead he didn't. At that very point where he could have taken all the glory for himself, he remembered that God had been with him, that God had favoured him, that God had been kind to him through good and through bad. And he acknowledged God to Pharaoh and his whole household and said, I can help, but actually it's God who does this. Can I remind you, when you go through times of favour, don't forget to give God the glory. Don't forget to point to the one who has helped you, who has encouraged you, who has kept you going, who has been faithful to you, who has been kind to you through your difficulties. Point to him. Let us give God the glory through good and bad times when favour is shown to us. I believe because Joseph learnt those lessons of knowing what it was to be a child of God and knowing what it was to acknowledge God... For the favor, that was why he was elevated to the position of where the only person who was above him in the whole land of Egypt was Pharaoh himself. Which if you know anything about ancient Egypt, wow, that was some serious position. They looked at Pharaoh as a god. So Joseph was the kingpin man because Pharaoh wasn't even really a man. He was just a god. So Joseph had... One of the most highest positions at the time in the whole world, really, when you look across the globe's history. He was the highest ranking man and God had elevated him to that position through the journey, through the hardship, through the good times, through the bad, through the favour that he'd been shown. So Joseph, I really believe, was defined by favour. The second thing I believe he was defined by was he was defined, if we've talked about a little bit, he was defined in the hardship. And Joseph knew some hardship. Joseph must have known fear like many people have never known fear. We see that early on he was thrown in a pit in Genesis 37, verse 20. It says, come now, this is his brothers talking, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. That's not very nice, is it? I don't think I fancy my older sister throwing me in a cistern. I'm sure she'd quite enjoy it. Um, I'm sure some of you who've got siblings would think, yeah, I'd pretty like to throw them in a pit some days. It does tend to get easier as you get older, but not for everyone. But there was not a lot of brotherly love there, was there really? And Joseph must have been absolutely terrified because he knew that in that place there was no escape. And then in Genesis 37, verse 8, they have a change of plan. And it says, So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. A young lad of about 17 who had been the favour of the household, who had probably been, you know, round all the ladies' aprons. His mother died when his younger brother was born, but he'd probably been round his mum's legs. His father loved him. Everybody loved him. He was little Joseph. He was dead cute. He got sent on little errands. And all of a sudden, he was not only leaving his own country, but he was leaving it as a slave. He was leaving it to a place he had never been before, to a language he probably didn't speak at the time. that he had to learn very quickly. He was leaving that place into a place of slavery with a master that he didn't know what he would be like. Joseph would have travelled with the Ishmaelites and he would have known fear during that journey. He would have known fear as he waited to be sold as a slave. He would have known fear as he went into his new master's household and waited to see what was happening. And then just as he thinks everything's going okay, his master's wife does the dirt on him and he ends up in prison. So Genesis 39 verse 20, we see this. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, it goes on to say that the prison guards took favour on him. It was not a nice place. Joseph was not having a good time. It was like a series of unfortunate events, one after the other. And you're thinking, can it get any worse? There must have been times where he thought, I'd have just preferred to stay in the cistern and die, actually. That would have worked for me. Instead of being sold into slavery and then think everything's going okay. And then, oh, it just went even worse. And I got put in jail in the land where I've been enslaved. Do you ever have parts of your life where you think, Oh, it just can't get any worse. And then it seems to get a little bit better. And then you're like, whoa, it can get a lot worse. And things just go downhill. But Joseph, in and through it all, knew the favour of God. I love this quote by Nelson Mandela. It says this. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. from a man himself who knew what jail was like that is some quote isn't it let's read in John 4 verse 18 it says this there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been made perfect in love You know, when you go through hardships, when you go through sickness, when you go through breakdown of relationships, maybe you have seasons where you don't have work, maybe things are difficult, fear comes and knocking at your door. It comes to come and encroach upon you, it comes and makes the whole situation a load worse. And I don't know about you, but in them times I'll often go to the Bible and try and find a scripture to encourage me and keep me going. And this is often one that you look at with fear and I read it and I think, well, I'm not made perfect in love then. And probably just feel any worse. Does anyone else feel like that? I mean, it's just me. But you get this, why me syndrome? Why me? Why does it always happen to me? Why do these awful things always happen? Why is it always my family who are sick? Why is it always me who has the broken relationships? Why is it always me who suffers with my mental health? Why is it always me who loses my job? Why is it always me? Anyone get that syndrome? Why me? Just me. Why me? And I think the problem lies there. And it's linked to that scripture, if we can just leave it up, Jess, from 1 John It says that fear has to do with punishment. When we believe we're being punished, when we have this, but why me attitude to it, we believe that we're being punished, we have the wrong view of God. Because in that case, we believe that God is punishing us because we say, why me, God? It's our way of saying, God, why are you punishing me? God is not punishing you. God, loves you with an abundant love and he showed you when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you we can either live in this why me thinking that we're being punished attitude or we can break free from it change our view of who God is and live in the fact that he loves us This scripture is not there to condemn us. It's not there to trap us. It's not there to make us think, well, I'm just not made perfect in love then, am I? It's actually there to say, you're on a journey. Let go of the wrong mindset that says that I am a God who wants to punish you and grasp a hold of the fact that I love you and journey with me from the place where you find fear creeping in to where love overflows over you because you know that I'm a God who does not punish you but who loves you and wants to set you free. Joseph understood this, that in the hardship, when fear came knocking at his door, that he knew who he was. He knew that God loved him. He knew what God had promised him. He knew the dreams that he'd had. And you may have had dreams and think, but God, you said this. Why do I find myself trapped in this position? Why do I find myself away from where I believe I should be? Keep believing, keep trusting, keep holding on because God will eventually bring you to the place where he's calling you to be. If you focus on the fact that he does not want to punish you, that he does love you, and you move away from that fear and begin to journey into the love that he has for you. Joseph was defined in his understanding of God in and through the hardship. I also believe that Joseph was defined in the waiting and he had to learn to wait for God's timing he had that dream at 17 years of age years and years later until it actually came to pass I don't know about you I've said before I'm not good at waiting I'm very impatient I'm working on it and I pray every day God give me patience and give it to me today I don't think that's quite how it works really but God is working on and through my patience with me I know and there's been a number of times where I've been employed before I came to work at the church and I really hated my job has anyone ever known that feeling where you wake up in the morning and your husband drives you to work and you cry and the guy because I really hate my job and I really don't want to go into saying you don't know how bad it is is that just me oh no good that's not good I don't want you to hate your jobs and I've been in that situation a couple of times where, where one time I'd be like, if I can get to lunchtime, it will be okay. Get to lunchtime, get to lunchtime, get to lunchtime. And then you get to lunchtime and then all oh, hell breaks loose in the afternoon and you think, oh God, I need a new job. And in and through it, God works on your patience. God works on helping develop your character. And we see with Joseph, that he tried in Genesis 40, verse 14, to get out of jail. There'd been a baker and a butler in jail that Pharaoh had put there, and they both had dreams, and Joseph interpreted the dreams, and this is what he said to them. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Joseph you've got to think, was pretty fed up in jail, haven't you? And he's thinking, this is it. This is the opportunity. This is it. I can get out. It's my way out. I'm getting out of here. And then it says in Genesis 41, verse 1, this. When two full years had passed, Joseph, in the previous verse, had been saying, remember me to Pharaoh, And then just as the Bible does at times, when two full years had passed, two more years he waited in jail. Two more years. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. And it goes on and tells you the dream. And then he had another dream, which were both one and the same meaning. God had not forgotten Joseph Joseph may have felt like he was forgotten. You may feel like you've been forgotten. You may think, but God, you said. But you know, the door is not really shut. The opportunity hasn't really passed. The dream is not completely dead. Because God has not forgotten you. Just as he did not forget Joseph, God has not forgotten you. God has that dream to fulfill for your life. God has that door of opportunity waiting, but you have to wait sometimes for God's timing. And God is waiting for that perfect timing to bring you to that place where you can be released from everything that has held you back into the future and into the hope that he has for you. So when you find yourself waiting and hating every moment of it, remember, just as Joseph did, that in and through it, God's timing is perfect. And God has not forgotten you. And there is always a then coming your way. Then, Something will happen to cause you to be positioned where you need to be. The next thing I believe Joseph was defined in is he was defined through reconciliation. And we see once Joseph has come to position in Egypt and Pharaoh's had these dreams and we know famine is coming after seven years of good harvest. And they store up all um, the food and people hear of all this food in Egypt and they're all starving So the brothers get sent to Egypt to buy food. And Joseph, we see, is reconciled with his brothers. Genesis 43, verse 30 is part of this. Deeply moved at the sight of his brothers, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. Joseph was already at a point of forgiveness when his brothers came. Joseph didn't have to work through that. We do see that Joseph tested his brothers to see who they really were now after all these years because he he was a bit cheeky and he hid something in one of his brother's sacks and they all looked after him and all stood up and all stood together and he saw a different group of brothers that he knew that had thrown him into a pit. And he had to know that. He had to know who these people were now. He had to find out whether these people were the same people as threw him into the pit, whether reconciliation was a good idea because sometimes it's not. Because people don't always change. But even so, regardless of that, Joseph was ready and at a place of forgiveness and ready for reconciliation. But he was also ready to use wisdom and to see whether it was appropriate for it. We see in Romans 12, verse 18 this if it is possible, if it is possible. Unfortunately for Joseph, it was possible because his brothers had changed. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, and as far as it did depend on Joseph, he was ready for it. Live at peace with everyone. And because of that reconciliation, because of the change in his brothers, not only was Joseph able to save the whole land of Egypt and all the people therein because he'd saved up all this food for the seven years of famine that were coming, he was also able to save Israel and the future of what was to come. Because if reconciliation hadn't happened, then the whole of Israel's future would not be what we know it is today. They would not have been shaped and moulded by the series of events that then go on in the Bible's history. Reconciliation goes one bigger than anything else. It went one bigger than just saving Egypt and save the whole of Israel and the future that God had for it. As much as it depends upon you, live at peace with everybody, but have wisdom within it. The next thing I believe Joseph was defined by was that he was defined by the bigger picture. And you know sometimes we can say, oh well, it's all right looking back, hindsight's a great gift, but when you're going through it, it's proper rubbish. And yeah it is. But if we know there's a bigger picture, then it helps us as we go through it. We understand, just as Joseph did, that God meant it for good. God meant what his brothers did to him for good. Did God want Joseph be thrown in a pit and sold into slavery and end up in jail? I'm sure he didn't because God loved him. But God looked on and said... I can use this for good. I can use this to develop Joseph's character. I can use this to help him and give him skills that he would never get while he lived at home. He can learn how to run a household, which will then teach him how to learn how to run a country. He can learn how to look after difficult people in jail when the warden puts him over all the, gar- all the prisoners. Wouldn't that be a joy, looking after all the prisoners in ancient Egypt? But he learned so much that then helped him with what God was going to call him to do. in a through- And God, I believe, said, son, that's not my ideal for you, but I'm going to use it for good. I'm going to mean that good will come out of this. Good will see you through this. And you'll look back on it and think, actually, I wouldn't have missed it because what I learned in it has helped me so much and can help other people so much. There are times in my life that i look back and I think, I really would have could have done with missing that. I could have done with missing that broken relationship. I could have done with missing that time when my daughter was really ill in hospital. I really could have done with missing out on them. But actually, when I really truly look back in my heart of hearts and I think to myself, I wouldn't have missed it because what I've learned about who I am and who God is enables me not only to grow in God, but enables me to help other people in and through the process. And I believe that was the bigger picture for Joseph as well. I love um, a quote from the Lord of the Rings, something that Gandalf says. And he says this. He says, let us remember that a traitor may betray himself and do good that he does not intend. The, the brothers, in a way, betrayed what they were doing. They betrayed themselves and they did good to themselves because Joseph could have only helped them if he was in the land of Egypt where all the food was stored up. Joseph couldn't have helped them if he stayed at home. They betrayed what they were actually trying to do and they helped bring greater outcome out. Let's just look at this next, the next slide, Jess. Sometimes I believe you need a villain to guide you to the place where victory awaits your arrival. There may be people in your life that come along and you think, I really don't like this person. This person is driving me up the wall. I could really do without them in my life. But actually, they're the only person that can take you to the place where victory is waiting for you. Judas was the only person who could take Jesus to the place where victory awaited all of us. And sometimes it's not hard. It's it's hard when people aren't easy with us. It's hard when we feel betrayed. It's hard when people hurt us. But God, I believe, can use these things for good in our lives when we look at the bigger picture and can actually bring victory and release in and through it let's look at genesis 45 verse 8 and this is what joseph said so then it was not you who sent me here but god he made me father to pharaoh lord of his entire household and ruler over all of egypt god intended joseph to be in egypt and the brothers were just a pawn in that game of getting him there So when people hurt you, when people push you aside, when people put you in a place that you think, I should not be here, just consider where God is in amongst it. And take some wisdom in it, because sometimes you need to shrug it off and say no. Sometimes you need to push it away. But there are times when you need those people to help you get to where God is calling you to be. And if you're not sure, ask someone, talk it through. And this is the last thing that I believe Joseph was defined by. Joseph was defined through the divine exchange. And when we look at the divine exchange with what Jesus did on the cross, Jesus took on punishment so that we could be forgiven. He was wounded so that we could be healed. He became sin so that we could become righteous. He took on death so that we could have life He he became poverty so we could live in abundance. He took on shame so that we could share in his glory. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. And he was under a curse so that we could be blessed. There was a divine exchange when Jesus died on that cross. He took on all of that stuff so that we could live in the fullness of all that he has called us to. And Joseph understood this. Genesis 50 verse 20 to 21, he spoke to his brothers and he said this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, this saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What was meant for harm actually brought about good. What was meant on the cross To bring death actually brought about life. What was meant to bring destruction actually brought about resurrection power. What was meant to bring all of these things of negativity and loss actually brought an abundance of goodness and life and love that we can live in today. And in the same way, Joseph understood this. He understood that what his brothers had meant to harm him, God used and turned around for good. And so just as Jesus, with the divine exchange, took on all of those things so that for us, we could live in a different life that he endured, so Joseph took on all of that harm and breathed out something different for his brothers. He made sure that they were fed when they came. He made sure that they had somewhere to come and to live. He says he spoke kindly to them. If we can go back to the scripture, Jess, that would be great. He said, and he provided for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Where they had spoke roughly to him, where things had gone wrong for him. He turned that all around, understanding the heart of God and that divine exchange that came and was able to do something completely different for his brothers. And we can do that too. When people persecute you, when people hurt you, when people throw all kinds of things against you, then be reassured that Jesus knew what that was too. And what do you throw back at them? Throw them back some love. Throw them back some grace. Throw them back some kindness. Everything that they throw to you, let it work around in your heart and bring that divine exchange about in you and bring something different to them. So no matter what goes on, you actually bring glory to God. Because people will see and will say, why on earth? Why on earth are you doing that? Why on earth are you treating them with kindness? Why on earth are you treating them with love? Why on earth are you being generous to that person? And the answer, because Jesus was first generous to us with his life. Because Jesus first took it all on for us so that we could live in life and in love so in those moments of decisive and critically important moments that you have just consider how you respond just consider those choices that you make embrace them allow them to shape and mould you allow the spirit to lead and guide you and help you through each moment And allow yourself to grow. And I believe that as we go through hard times, as we go through difficult times, as we go through good times and favour, as we go through times of reconciliation, that it helps us to fully know who we are. It helps us to journey into who we are when we're not quite sure. Be defined and allow goodness to come out of those moments. We're going to sing a song now. It's a new song. And I believe that no matter what comes at you, no matter what fear comes, no matter what difficulties come, that God wants you to know who you are. He wants you to understand that divine exchange that has gone on for you and allow you to work that through your own life and into your own future and into your own hope. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for those defining moments that we can learn from through Joseph. God, and I just pray that this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would impart into our lives some of that faith and hope and understanding that Joseph had so that in the good and the bad, in the reconciliation, in the hardship, in those moments of divine exchange, that we would know who you are that we can journey into who you're calling us to be and that in and through it, salvation can come from who we are. Let's just stand for a moment. So Father God, we just give you the praise this morning. Just like Joseph brought it all back to you and said, no, I can't do it. Only God can. And this morning, God, we want to thank you for that. And we want to give you the praise for that, that it is only with you only through you, only through Jesus Christ, that we can live this life of abundance and grace. Thank you, God, that you call us as your children and that we can go on a journey from fear into the abundance of your love. Amen.